Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, last week we were talking about grace. And um, the reviews I got at the end of the service and, and the response we got at the end of the service were uh, quite, you know, a lot. And after a service, I had a lot of people come talk to me and tell me how I, I needed that. I'm just thinking, well, thank you, Lord. You know, that was something that was needed. You know, we just kind of go back and we, we look at what we talked about about grace last week. That a divine, The portion of grace that I wanted to talk about last week, as you know, was that it's a divine enablement. You know, Basically, I remember the, many of you remember the illustration about the furniture movers, the sliders. That's what grace will do for you. You know what the word says. You know what to do, but you're having a hard time in the doing. The grace of God is there to put sliders underneath you, and you can do whatever you need to do so easily. It's a blessing to know that. It's a, if you remember it when you get into situations, you know, it'll make them so much better because you'll access that grace quickly, easily. And whatever it is that seems hard won't seem the least bit hard anymore. But, you know, last week I made the statement that in all the epistles, Romans all the way through, the Apostle Paul opened his letters with grace and peace be unto you. And so the Lord said, what's the and? What's on the other side of that and? So what's on the other side of that and is peace. So we're going to talk about peace tonight. Amen. You know, Peace is a wonderful thing. And so I went and I looked, you know, now he didn't exactly say it in Romans, but you start with 1 Corinthians, and he opens with grace and peace. And I happened to look in the Message Bible, and, you know, that's, that's a paraphrase. It's not a translation, but sometimes, it, you know, it's, it's a, it has some great things to say in it. And uh, in the Message Bible, it says, instead of grace and peace, it says gifts and benefits. Grace is a gift. Peace is a benefit. You know, we look over at Psalm 103, and it says in there, don't forget all his benefits. In fact, just go over there. Won't hurt us to, to read this again. Psalms 103, something we've referred to quite often in the last few weeks in different places. Pastor's been talking about it on Sunday, you know, about where healing is concerned and just different times we mention it. But, you know, it can't be mentioned too much. Because if he says forget not, it's because we tend to forget. We can easily forget if we're not careful. We can easily uh, just let go of some things. You know, Paul talked about, about his teaching that was precept upon precept, line upon line. And how many of you know you don't learn it all just because somebody tells it to you one time? You have to go back and you have to be reminded of things constantly. You know, okay, this is what this. I mean, you always, you, there's always review in life. No matter what it is, you know, there's always re time for review. There's always a need for review. You can't ever let go of the basics. You know, you have to come back, you know, even in, in sports. I mean, the guys who are excelling in sports always go back to the basics to make sure they've got it down pat. They can't excel in their sport if they don't practice the basics. And here in Psalms it says, 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
we need to remember sometimes there's a lot of benefits. Don't forget any of them. Why would you want to forget anything that God's provided for you? Because every last one of those benefits is wonderful. It's far-reaching. It has effects that are just enormous and awesome. And so you don't want to forget any of those benefits. But I tell you what, peace is definitely one of the benefits of, of what he's done for us. Um, worry and fear is the opposite of peace. To me, worry and fear, those two words aren't necessarily synonymous. To me, it just indicates different levels of anxiety. There's worry, and then there's fear. You can go from just simple disquiet and unrest to something that is paralyzing. I mean, there are, there are degrees of worry. There are degrees of fear. You know, and yet God's peace, the peace he has provided for us, covers it all. Covers every last bit of it. You know, we go from a little bit of worry... A little bit of worry. Well, what can I do about this? 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 And by the time you have moved into fear, you have already, you've already got this whole, whole thing magnified in your mind. You, you can just see how bad this is and how bad it's going to get and how, what somebody's going to do to you or what's going to happen to you and all these things. I mean, you've just got the whole scenario. The devil has it just laid out for you and in technicolor. He's digitized it, you know, for the rest of you. Technicolor's old term. But I, I, remember, I remember, you know, years ago, back in 1986, when I found a lump in my neck. And my, I had just been talking to my mother. And my mother was telling me about an old family friend who had discovered she had thyroid cancer. So guess what? When I see a lump in the mirror, I'm going, what is, what is that? I start feeling this thing. There's this big old lump there. What in the world is going on here? It, what happened? Immediately, you know, the enemy comes to start telling me what this is. Oh, it's cancer. That's what it is. And he, this was like early in the year, you know, like in spring or something. And, and I went to bed that night. And, of course, you know, I finally made an appointment with somebody to go get it checked out and find out what it is. But in the meantime, in the middle of the night, the enemy would wake me up and say, it's cancer. You're not going to be here by the end of the year. They'll, Christmas will come and you won't be here. Christmas will come and, and they'll be celebrating Christmas. There'll be an empty place at the table. Somebody else will have to do all the cooking. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but he had this whole thing laid out for me. He showed me a picture of a tombstone. He's a liar. He's an absolute liar. If you know how good God is, you know that's not God talking to you. That God has something different to say about your future. He's got something different to say about every situation that you tend to worry and fret over. He's got something to say about everything the enemy would try to tell you. Is that he is the liar and the father of lies and there is no truth in him. And you better figure that out real quick. When he starts bringing his little thoughts to you, okay, chalk it up. Is this God talking to me? Is it not God talking to me? Okay, if it's not, then that's just full of lies. Everything he's saying is nothing but a lie. I don't need to listen to a liar. Don't get in agreement with him. Don't entertain the liar. You know what happens when you entertain a liar? They lie even more. The lie they try to tell you is getting bigger and bigger. 
This thing gets magnified. If you'll if you let a liar pull you into their snag, into their, into their little snare there, they will just take that thing and just, it'll mushroom. You know, I just said to, to somebody the other day, you know, about something they were, they were a test they were going to have, 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 they were so concerned. I said, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Stop that. When the day came that I actually did find out I had cancer, it was like, mm, you know, we'll just deal with it. You know, we'll find out what this is and we'll just deal with it. You know, whatever it is. You know, people don't go to doctors because they're in such fear. I, 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 no, I, I don't, I don't, wanna, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to find out. I, I, I'm afraid of what it might be. And so they sit there for weeks, sometimes months, with a problem that's getting worse and worse because they're afraid to find out what it is. And sometimes it was absolutely nothing. Look at all the time and energy that was expended when it was nothing. Look at all the torment they allowed themselves to be put through when it turned out to be nothing. And then there are those people who finally go and they finally find out, yes, it is something, and sometimes it's too late. Listen, if you ever find yourself in that kind of a position where you're wondering if there's, is this something, number one, you need to stop and deal with the fear. And then you need to just see what God's got to say. What do you need? What do I need to do? And then you need to go do it. Because the sooner you find it, easier it is to fix. The sooner you can find out what it is that needs to be fixed, the sooner you put the word on it. The sooner you just deal with it, get it over with, and go on with life. Don't be afraid. Too many wonderful people are in heaven now, way ahead of their time, because they refused to face what they thought was a bad report. You don't know until you go get somebody to tell you if there's anything good or bad. But I don't care what it is. What's God got to say about it? What has God got to say? It's just because it's bad doesn't mean it's the end of the, end of the sentence. doesn't mean that's the end of it, that, you know, that thing has got, has got control and it's going to take control and, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's always something you can do about it. Always. Always, don't let fear paralyze you to the point that you do nothing. Amen. There's a minister that I know personally that had a vision of Jesus. And in this vision, he saw Jesus weeping. And Jesus said to him, I wrote this down word for word. He said, worry is what keeps my people from receiving what I have provided for them. Worry. And you think, well, you know, we, we kind of want to go, oh, well, she's just a, such a worry ward. That's not, an, that's not an accolade. That's not a compliment. It's not. The compliment is, that, is, is to those people who say, somebody looks at them and says, they absolutely refuse to worry. No matter what comes their way, they absolutely refuse to worry. That's a compliment. Not somebody's, oh, there's a big worry ward. Oh, I come from a long line of worriers. That is not what you need to be. No, you don't. You, your natural family may be a line of worriers, but I'm telling you what, what happens in your life doesn't depend on your natural family anymore. You have been recreated and placed into a brand new family that knows what the power of God is and what it will do, what it will accomplish, what it's been sent forth to do, what God has provided. And there's no need to worry because whatever the situation is, God's already got it, got it a plan. God's already got, a, got an answer. He's already made provision for it. There's a supply for whatever it is you need, already ready. 
waiting on you. No need to worry. Over in Isaiah, it says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In the Amplified, it says the chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. See, with peace comes well-being. The person who is at peace is in a state of well-being. Not a, spa- a, a, a state of turmoil, not in a state of anxiety, not in a state of, of, of I, 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 an uncertainty. I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what. No, they're not in a state of uncertainty. He's made a place for us to have well-being in our lives because the chastisement of that peace was upon him. In Ephesians 2.14, it says he is our peace. In Galatians 5, 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit, are you born again? Well, then there's a brand new spirit on the inside of you. The spirit of that recreated man, that new man that you have become when you gave your heart to Jesus, the fruit of it, what's in there? Peace is in there. And it's something you can have. And you can walk in, that you can live in, that you can abide in all the time, no matter what's coming your way. Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. You know, under the old covenant, you know, they came around, you know, they greet each other, shalom, peace. They spoke peace to one another. They said it continually. They greeted one another continually. Shalom. Peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Under an old covenant, they didn't realize that the day would come when peace would come from the inside out instead of from the outside in. That they could live in that peace constantly as a a result of what was on the inside. They didn't know it, but it was coming. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He was coming. He was coming. He was coming. And you and I get to benefit from it. We get to have the benefit of that that Prince that lives on the inside of us. So once you see all of these things, and you know that peace has been purchased, it's been provided, and it's been extended to you as a gift of God, and part of your inheritance, what happens now? You're faced with a situation where ah, I can't find the peace in this. Now, let me tell you, peace becomes a choice. For you to walk in peace becomes a choice. You must choose to walk in peace. You can't wait. Oh, God, grant me peace. God's already put peace on the inside of you. He's already bought and paid for the peace that is yours. He's already placed it there. Now it's up to you to do your part. Choose peace. Choose it. Deuteronomy. Go read to Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. This is as true in today's covenant as it was in the Old Testament. Because we still have to make a choice. Let me find my glasses. 65 means glasses sometimes. 
You know what? I need to stop saying that. As I recall, Moses' eye was not dim. So that we got to stop that nonsense. All right. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank you, Lord. Okay. It says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. He gives us a choice every day. He gives us choices in every situation. He's given us a choice of how we live, how we respond, how we talk, how we act. He says, choose life. When it comes to peace, peace must be chosen. I choose to walk in peace. I choose to not let this worry me. I choose not to give in to fear. I choose not to let anxiety take over. There's a lot of folks these days who haven't figured out God's peace. Because I tell you what, if they had, the drug makers would be out of business. Because there's a whole lots of people who are depending on some narcotic to help them overcome their anxieties. Really what they need is the word of God. This is, this is what will cure their anxiety. This is what will cure their depression. This is what will cure their worry. This is what will cure their fear is the word of God. It's not pills. That takes the edge off the way you feel, but it doesn't make the problem any better. Until you find a place of peace, God can't work in that area. See, he's waiting for you to make that choice so that he can take that provision he's already made and put it to work. Put it to work. 1 Peter 5, 7. Go over there. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 5, 7. The understood subject here is you. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The Amplified of that says, casting the whole of your care. Not part of it. Not most of it. But all of it. The whole of your care. All your anxieties. All your worries. All your concerns. Once and for all on him for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully you know when I read this I go once and for all how many times have I said okay father I am not going to let this thing rob me anymore of my peace I'm not you know and, and a day or so goes by and I find myself fretting over the same thing all over again you know you have to go back and do the same thing again and again, and again, and again, and again, until you have total victory over that thing. The enemy is persistent. If there's any quality about, I mean, there are qualities he's got, and persistence is one of them. But you have to outlast him. You have to outlast him. 
He'll keep coming at you as long as he thinks he's got a little bit of an inroad, a legit, even just a little tiny sliver of hope that he can get his foot in the door. He'll just keep coming at you, but you have to keep coming back to him. Once you have given it over, say, I'm not worrying about this anymore. I know God has got the answer. I know he's got the provision. I know he's got what I need here. All I have to do is just trust him, and he is going to work on this. I just don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm not going to. You have to just make a decision not to do it anymore. When that thing comes back, no, no, no. I said I'm not worrying about that. I will not worry about that. I will stay in peace over this situation. I will stay in peace about this problem. I will stay in peace no matter what the enemy does, no matter what he says. If I were to come up to you and you, you, you've got something going on that you're having a problem with it and I, and I say to you, don't worry, let me take care of that. And you go, oh, really, would you do that? I'm going, absolutely, I would do that for you. I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that for you. Then you come back to me five minutes later and you go, really? Do you really want to do that? And I'm going, what did I just say? I said I would. And you come, really? I'm going, okay, yes. You know, we do that to God all the time. He's saying, let me take care of that for you. And we come back to him going, are you sure? What did I just say? What did I just say? I said, I would take care of that. Do you trust him or don't you? Is God a person of his word or is he not? If he said, I'll take care of you, I'll take care of that. I've already got the supply ready for you. Then why do we all keep going back as though he's never said that? But we do it. And Is anybody guilty besides me? Okay. Well, some of you are not, I guess. Okay. All right, we have another issue there. Okay. Go to Philippians 4, 6. I just need you to understand that we're all in the same boat. We all have the same issues, the same. Maybe your situation is a little different from somebody else's, but the how of dealing with it is the same. You, you just have to understand that everybody has things that they deal with. You know, sometimes you'll look around at people and you'll think, oh, man, they have got it all together. And right there, the enemy will jump on your back and say, oh, man, but you sure don't. What kind of a Christian are you? What kind of a believer are you? What kind of a faith person are you? What kind of a word person are you? He'll jump on you about that. Listen, they're doing the same thing you're doing, having to stand on what the Word says, having to put the enemy to flight, having to resist him in some area. You just don't see it. You don't know about it. You know, and so many times, you know, people are dealing with things that we just don't know about. And that's good sometimes. I don't, you know, really necessarily think it's a good thing to come in here with a long face, you know, and, 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 and tears running down your eyes and, you know, oh, oh, poor me, you know, kind of thing. That's probably not trusting God. I don't think so. But in Philippians 4, 6, it says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Again, the Amplified, you know, the Amplified is such a great, great translation. It says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, 
by prayer and petition, that is definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your requests known to God. You know, sometimes we just go, oh, Lord, help me. Why don't you get specific about what you want or what you need? Now, there are times when we don't do that. We just have to say, Lord, you've got the answer, and I don't know what it is, but I trust you that you'll, you'll keep me posted here on what the answer is. Until then, I'm just going to have to leave it in your hands. Sometimes we don't have what we need because we don't get specific enough. Now, you'll have to determine whether I'm specific enough or whether I just need to leave this, you know, in, a, in something a little more generic here, that, you know, let God take care of it. Because sometimes we've already figured out how our answer is supposed to come and who our answer is supposed to come through. Not a good idea. I have had God meet our, our needs or, or supply some kind of an answer through the least likely source that I would never have envisioned. And yet God's already had them on standby, just waiting. So never, ever decide that somebody, a specific person, should be meeting your need. I had somebody do that to me one time. Uh, got, you know, they, they had a need, and, and I you know, made a suggestion about this particular need and that I want how I wanted to do it, and they got mad at me. And I'm going, what? You know, and it's like, they finally told me, no, God said you were supposed to do so-and-so. And I said, uh, at the moment, I said, well, God didn't tell me that. See, you don't know who God's talking to. But the way this works is God tells me to meet your need before he tells you. Because a lot of times he won't tell you. He shouldn't tell you because you get your eyes on people then. I, I've seen people who, who thought, okay, this person is, is financially well off. They could meet my need. God didn't tell them to meet your need. Maybe God wanted to use somebody else to meet your need. I heard a story of a, of a in fact, as I was listening to this man who's a Baptist minister on, uh, on TV one day, and I don't know why I stopped on this particular program, but anyway, he was, he was, he was up, he was ministering, and, and he was talking about how he, before he went in the ministry, he was a successful businessman, had, was very well-to-do and well-off, and that just any time a need came up, you know, he was just like right there, he was going to, he was going to, oh, I'll take, I'll take care of that. And so if something came up um, with someone, and, and a group of people knew about this need, and immediately he goes, I'll do that. I'll take care of that. Well, now, just because he was well off and, and he could, he just did. And people were, let, were getting to the point they were letting him do that because he was well off. But when he left there, the Lord got on his case big time and said, I did not tell you to meet that need. And he's going, Lord, I'm just trying to be a blessing. And the Lord said, I wanted somebody else to be blessed. I wanted to give somebody else the opportunity to be blessed by their sowing into that need. See, sometimes we get so confused with things, and our eyes, our natural eyes, go to places we think the answers are or to people that we think have our answers, that have the supply that God wants to bring. Never get your eyes on anybody. Never get your eyes on me. I've seen times when, honest to goodness, it was just like, you can't do that. You don't have enough for yourself. Well, God told me to. I'm going, okay, I'm sorry. 
Okay, yeah. You, you, yeah, okay, do that. And then, and then watch God bless them. Don't ever decide you can hear God better than that person can when it comes to those kind of things. You let God talk to them, whether they've got lots or whether they've got little. You know, I, I, don't, believe it. I don't believe anybody ought to ever um, put people on the spot to give more than where their faith can take them. I mean, you get in a crowd of people, and everybody's giving, and everybody's doing, and everybody, you know, and you can, you can work a crowd. There are people out there who can work a crowd. You have to do whatever giving or supply of whatever need there is because it's in your heart to do. Not because you've been coerced into doing something. Not because you've just got caught up in the emotion of the moment. But because God said. I don't know how it got off in that. Anyway, uh, Colossians 3, 5, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Who's implied action there? Who's doing the implied action here? Come on, you are. You let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. You see, there's a God part and a you part. God's part here is he'll keep you, you in perfect peace. Your part is keeping your mind stayed on him and trusting him. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The Amplified says, Shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds. Actually, you, you're right here in Philippians. We haven't left there, but, but you, know, you, you, start, you start in verse 6. And let's just, let's just read the next the four verses there because they all just flow together. And all, there's something to be learned in every one of them. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all, your, all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, passes all whose understanding? The world doesn't understand the peace of God. But the more you know God, the more you understand that peace. It's not passing your understanding because you're supposed to know him well enough to understand that his peace is yours, that you can walk in it, you can live in it, you can sleep in it, you can go about your daily activities in it, that it is beyond the comprehension of people who don't know God. That's passing all of their understanding. But you know what? When we really know him the way we should know him, it should be like, yep, that's God. That's God. It's not beyond my understanding. It's beyond my capacity to understand how big he is, how great he is, how merciful and kind and gracious he is. I can't even begin to conceive of how much that encompasses. But hey, honey, I'll go with it. I'll just go with it. I, I don't... I don't, it doesn't surprise me one bit that he fills me with his peace, that I can live and move and operate my life in his peace, that he garrisons and mounts guard over my heart all the time because my mind is stayed on him. And then it goes on in verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, 
Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Your mind wants to go places on its own. You bring it back and say, no, you will think on the things that are true. You'll think on the things that are honest. You bring them back to my. I've had times in the nighttime where I've just, I wake up, you know, and suddenly the enemy's right there with some, some craziness, you know, and I, was, I just have to stop and say, no, you don't. No, I am not going to think these things. I will not let you put these thoughts in my head. I will not. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, if God was going to translate that for you, he'd say this. He'd say, don't let what you see or hear make you forget what I said. Don't make it forget what what I said. I said this. I said that. Don't let what you see or you hear make you forget that. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Worry and fear can cause your mind to become distorted and your actions to be out of sync because it takes your thought life and it, and it just it, it turns it in such a way that, that sometimes up becomes down and, and in becomes out. You know, it can get to that place where nothing looks as it should. And nothing looks as it really is. But Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you as it is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.7, you know this one. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amplified of that says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I'm telling you, that's what God has given to us already. A spirit of power and love, and a sound mind. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, we get born again, and we just have to be reminded all the time, our spirit man got recreated. Our bodies have to come in line with what our spirit man says, and our mind has to be renewed to what the Word says. When you get your spirit and your mind together, your body's got to gang up. It's gotten ganged up on, and it has to conform. Romans, uh, no, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, it says, I keep my body, keep under my body, and bring it into subjection. You have to keep under your mind as well and bring it into subjection. It has to come into subjection to the Word. It has to be constantly reprogrammed you ever get you know an app that's gone gone crazy it won't work anymore and you've got to hit the delete button and get the whole thing reset maybe you have to take a an ipad back to its factory settings 
and then bring it back online. Listen, that's what we need to do to our minds. We have to put our minds back on the factory setting. The factory setting as it should have been in the Garden of Eden. And we have to bring it online again with what the Word has said. Put the Word, reprogram that thing according to what the Word has said. Hallelujah. Peace is not an absence of trouble. Sometimes we go through life, you know, and everything's just going great. You know, you know, this is wonderful. My job is wonderful. My family is wonderful. My, my finances are wonderful. My body is, my health is wonderful. Everything's just wonderful. Peace is an absence of trouble. Peace is the fact that you are unmoved by anything that it seems like trouble. Unmoved. You don't really understand what peace is until you have an opportunity to walk in peace. Peace isn't necessary when everything's going great. Peace is necessary when things don't look so great. When things look like, oh, no, what's happening? I can't hold what, what, what. But I'm telling you what Psalms 112 verse 7 says. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. See, the best place for you to find yourself when evil tidings show up is in a place where your heart is already fixed. You'll be like a tree planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. The tree didn't get plunked there when the floodwaters came. The tree was already there. The tree was already putting its roots down. The tree was already establishing himself on the banks of that river. And so when the river began to flood and the waters began to, to go by and want to move it, it just said, no, I shall not be moved. I shall, just like a tree that's planted, planted, planted. I will not be moved. you got the story of the, of the two houses, one built upon the rock, one built upon the sand. One had a firm foundation. The other was just kind of, it looked good from the outside, but when the storm came, it had nothing to hold it in position. See, you have to, you have to make up your mind to fix yourself, to plant yourself, to put the roots down, to establish the foundation. You know, sometimes in some building situations, you don't go down just a little ways. You go all the way down to bedrock to put a foundation in. The higher you want to go with the building, the deeper the foundation. How high do you want to go in the things of God? How high do you want to soar in the blessings of God? How much do you want to enjoy? Put the foundation deep. Go down deep. Before the trouble comes, before the ice storm shows up, before the floods come, before the tornado shows up, before the hurricane comes, you put the foundation down deep. You have it all ready, all prepared, and when the hurricane comes, you just shut the shutters going, I'll see you when it's over. And blue skies are back. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm-mm. One of the things you've got to do to participate in God's peace is use your mouth. Jesus, over in Mark, 
in the middle of the storm. What did he do? He got up and he said, peace, be still. He said, listen, if Jesus has to say something, you have to say something. He's given you an example to follow. He's saying, watch this, boys. Speak to that storm. You speak to that problem. You say, stop it right now. And we have the advantage of saying, in the name of Jesus, you stop it. See, the devil doesn't care what you believe if you're silent. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter to him what you believe, how much word you could, you could quote, or how much word you know, so long as you don't speak it. If, you're, if you stay silent, he, he's, he's got all the upper hand. He don't care what you believe. But he cares the moment you open your mouth and start giving voice to what you believe. You start giving voice to what you will or you won't put up with. You give voice to the thing that God has said about you. You give voice to the things that God has said about the situation. You give voice to the things that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You give voice to the thing that says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You give voice to these things. That's when he gets nervous. That's when he doesn't like it. But you cannot sit there and be silent. So here's, here's some things you can do. Number one, answer the fear, the worry, the doubt, the anxiety. You answer it and you answer it specifically. Just like I just did. He's telling you, okay, you don't have enough money for this. No, you say, I do have enough. I'm well supplied. God is, is, is my peace and God is my Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He's given me everything I need. I have a supply that's overcoming, over but he takes care of me. You answer him. You answer whatever he's throwing at you. You go, no. You say absolutely no to him. And you said, that's not so. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And this is what the word says. Jesus went out in the wilderness and he answered the enemy every single time he brought something to him. He answered him with the word. You rebuke that spirit and you tell it to leave. You re, I mean, the Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee. Problem is some people don't resist so he don't flee. Now, you don't come along and say, okay, now, it's like a little stray kitty cat comes up to your house. Now, you go, sh go, shoot, shoot, go, 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 go. That cat's going to look at you like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. But when you go, go, that take off. Some of you need to get a little more direct in your resisting. And don't play with the kitty cat anymore. Oh, he's so sweet. No, he's not sweet. He's not cute. That little skunk that comes up to your door may be the cutest little thing, but he's got something else in mind if you don't do exactly right. Don't let the devil stink up your life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to, wants to make it so that you can't stand it you, and nobody else can stand it. You get him out of there. Whatever that takes. You know, it's... The problem with some people, they got no fight. Got no fight in them. They just kind of, you know, well, you know, I, I don't know. It's, you know, it just, it just doesn't seem like it's working. I, I gave it a shot. I, I tried, but it's just, no. 
Get some backbone in you. Doesn't mean that, uh, Mr. Devil, you, you can leave now. That means you tell him where to go now. And it's not staying here. If you want him to stay, fine. But don't you come back to God and say, well, God, I tried. No, you didn't. You resist him, you rebuke him, and you expect him to go. Number three, you say exactly what the word says. You know, Proverbs says, well, go to Proverbs 4. You need to read it. Proverbs 4. Again, line upon line, precept upon precept. I don't, know if you, I don't care if you can quote some of these. You need to look at them again. My son, attend to my words. It's verse 20. Incline your ear to my sayings. They may submit and consent. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep, guard, defend your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Another translation said, flow the springs of life. Job, go to Job. Just a couple of books back, Job chapter 22. Don't go, go to Job very often, now do we? Chapter 22, verse 21. Are you there? I want you to read this because I doubt many of you have seen this verse very often. Job 22, verse 21. Acquaint now yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Amplified of this says, acquaint now yourself with him. Agree with God. And show yourself to be conformed to his will and be at peace. By that you shall prosper and great good shall come to you. Do you know how many people I listen to, you know, from over the years that just refuse to agree with God? The words, you know, you got a problem and, and the, you, the word says, da, 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 da. I, we had a pastor, another pastor number of years ago, was telling us about a health issue he had. And so we're doing our best to encourage him. Well, brother, thank God the word says, da, 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 da. We quoted scriptures to him. He said, yeah, but. What? Yeah, but? Yeah. I, know, I, was, I, I was scratching my head going, why can't you just agree with what God has said about you? See, we need to be careful to know that we are agreeing with what God has said. Agree with him. Don't say, yeah, but, like you've got some kind of a different situation here that, that he never thought of, that he never considered, that he never planned for. He's already planned for everything. Oh, agree with him. Don't come to God with a yeah, but. That word but just negates everything that came before it. That means, well, God shall supply all my needs. Yeah, but you don't know my situation. That just says you think that no matter what the word says, you're, some, you're somehow not being affected by what the word says. Well, that's your choice. That's your choice. You can agree with God. That's the choice you need to make. And number four, praise God. So number one was answer it specifically. 
Number two was rebuke the spirit that brought it and tell it to leave. Number three, says what, say what the word says and agree with it. Sometimes we can say the words, we can quote the scriptures, but we're not agreeing with it. And number four, praise God. Listen, everything in your life can be going right except maybe one area. And the enemy will try to get you to focus on the one. Just the one. Just the one. And you lose sight of all the blessings that are in the rest of your life. And all the ways he's answered in the other areas of, all your, of your life. And all the ways he's provided in the other areas of your life. And all the ways that he's just moved and he's blessed and he's proven his faithfulness. Don't let the enemy rob you in that one. Say it's only one. And sometimes it's not a huge one. Sometimes it's a small thing. And the enemy can take that small thing and he can magnify it until it consumes your life. Don't let him do that. Stand your ground. Never pray, pray from a place of worry or fear. You pray, pray from a place of faith and authority that you have in Jesus. That's why you can rebuke this thing, this fear, this worry when it comes, because you have a place of authority and you need to rebuke it from that place. Not in your own power, not in your own righteousness, but from a place of authority that God has given you, that he's placed you in, that he expects you to exercise. You can do it. Amen. Worry and fear put a muffler on the voice of God and the leading of the Spirit. You can't hear God when you're in worry and fear. You can't hear him accurately. The enemy will do his best to try to make you think God is saying something he does not say, will not say, is not even in line with his word because there's a muffler on it. You ever heard you know, something that comes out, you know, and, and it's just, you don't have a clue what's being said. And that's what fear and worry will do is it'll put a muffler on God, what God's trying to tell you. So you've got, to, you've got to get rid of it. You never make decisions when pressure is on and emotions are high. Because when you do, you'll find that wisdom is low. So, I mean, you know, I, I just, we've come to the realization that, that, you know, you just, if you're under pressure to make a decision, you don't need to make a decision at all. I mean, last year we were looking for a house. And here we are, we're about, to have to, we're, 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 we're about to have to leave our house, and we've sold it. I mean, it doesn't belong to us anymore. This lady's letting us stay, you know, for an extra month, and we've, we've got to get out. And, and I've been saying, now, Lord, I, I don't want to move twice. I don't want to have to find a rental, because at the time I couldn't find a decent rental either. I don't want to move twice, Lord, please. I just, you know, I just need to find this. There's a house, there's a house, there's a house. And so we came this close. Had Leslie on the phone. Leslie, we're going we're to make an offer on this particular house. Okay. I said, this is what we want to offer. Okay, I'll get the paperwork together. I'll be right over. I put the phone down, and about two minutes later, I walked to the back of the house, and I said, I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I, he said, can't do it. Said, nope, can't do it. Just can't do it. I'm about to give in to the pressure, about to give in to the fear that, we've, that we won't have a place to live, that we'll be homeless. And, and so when she got to the house, I, I, said, I met her at the door. I said, I'm sorry. 
can't do it. I hate to put you through all that work. I can't, we can't, we just can't do it. She said, oh, thank goodness. I knew it was a mistake. (laughs) You know, sometimes when you're under that kind of pressure, you are tempted and you can easily make the wrong choice. And I'm so glad, even though I've had to live in a rental house for a year and I'll be in another, in a rental house for another seven or eight months, maybe I don't know how long. You know, what I'm going to wind up with is going to be better than I ever thought I could have. But never, never make a decision under pressure. Never make a decision when you're full of worry and anxiety and disquiet because wisdom is not there. It's just not. Peace. You ever, you ever picked up your, your deodorant bottle or, or maybe, maybe a aspirin bottle or some kind of, you know, over-the-counter meds and where it lists all the ingredients and, and it says active, it lists this first, active ingredient. Peace is an active ingredient, folks. If you pick something up and peace isn't part of the active ingredient list here, put that thing down. What is active? You got a situation here, you're looking at it, take a look at the label. What's the active ingredient? If it's not peace, do not partake of it. Amen. So what does peace look like? That's what you need to ask yourself. When fear tries to come your way, what does peace look like? What does peace look like? What does peace sound like? How does a person who's in peace respond? When you start asking those questions, God will give you your answer of what you need to do. Now, when he tells you, then you do what he says do it. There's one slogan that, that Nancy Reagan coined years ago when the drug issue, drugs were becoming an issue. Her, her slogan was, just say no. You know, and when the enemy comes with his basket of ingredients that contain fear and anxiety and worry, you need to just say no. And when God comes with the direction that you need, Just do it. Take the Nike commercial. Just do it. So you're going to walk in peace? It's your choice. Are you going to let fear and anxiety wash over you? It's your choice. It's your choice what resides in your house, what you entertain in your mind, what grows. It's your choice to be fixed and immovable, and it's your choice to not put down the roots that will keep you steadfast and will keep you immovable. The choice is yours. If you leave here with anything tonight, know that you you know this, that the peace of God is available, and whether you walk in it and enjoy it, it's yours. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.